Hi everybody, this is Dave from Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle. Pop Culture Case Study is a movie review podcast. We do a new movie and an old movie every week, so that's two episodes you get from me every single week. Right now, I'm a PhD student in a psychology program, so that's the subject I know most about. Because of this, every episode, we not only look at the movie, but we look at it psychologically. So, if you're interested, for instance, we did an episode on the horror classic Halloween. But before we got into the movie, we talked about the nature of evil and how we look at it psychologically. So hopefully you get a little more interesting take on some of your favorite older and newer releases. So I'll be here twice a week diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4. I'm your host, Peter. And today's a special uh, episode. Joining me from Pop Culture Case Study is Dave. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing good. Glad we could finally find time in our schedules for me to be on your show. It's been a while. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I'm a huge fan of yours. Um, thank you. Yeah, for those that uh, haven't heard about your show, can you tell the listeners um, uh, what Pop Culture Case Study is about? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one more movie podcast for you guys to listen to, um, but we try to make it a little different. So we do two episodes a week. We do uh, an older film and a newer film, and if things work out scheduling-wise, they tie in together. Um, you know, like, so a while ago we did Skyfall, one uh, one day Inspector later in the week. And what we do with our older movies is we try and tie it in psychologically. So I'll I'll bring up something in the film uh, that I can research because I'm a psychology student. So it helps me keep up on my skills and hopefully it's interesting for the audience. And then I bring in a guest to talk about the movie and we kind of tie it all together. Yeah, it's it's a great show. I uh, I enjoy listening to it, and I always tweet at you and hashtag it. I be learning. Yeah, you know, because it's <laughs> it's just like going to school all over again. It's 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 great stuff. Uh, some of my favorite episodes. If uh, listeners want to check these out, um, my first my first favorite episode I think was your Planet of the Apes, the nineteen sixty six. Yeah, you're an old school listener, yeah. man. That's going back. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's what I do when I find a show I, I really like. I go to, uh, back through their back catalog. So that was a a, a favorite of mine. And then I enjoyed the um, uh, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, which had Carly on. You know, who's also a friend yep. of the show. I enjoyed that one because of the um, the psychological theme you brought to it. Because I am a married man myself, and you talked about uh, I forgot exactly what the wording yeah, of it was. Marital dissatisfaction. Yeah. yeah, so I thought that was a great uh, uh, listen to, and also recently, uh, your Fruitvale station coincidentally also had Carly on it, and um, you know I, I think a lot of us has been really uh, been big on Michael B. Jordan, um, you know, just with uh, a lot of his uh, work. But Fruitvale Station is not an easy movie to watch. But no. just, yeah, just the, the stuff you guys were talking about, uh, police brutality, uh, I think that's uh, one of those must-listens, you know, just to kind of bring awareness uh, to things like that. Thank you very much. I'm just going to hire you to pimp out my show. Great. <laughs> yeah, I, I do that well. I am uh, I always joke that I'm a uh, like a better podcast fan than I am a podcaster. <laughs> you know, So I'm the ultimate fan there. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate yeah. the kind words. No problem, and and also you know you're part of the Following Films Network too, so we're we're part of that circle. Yep. If anyone hasn't heard that before, <laughs> um, so the movie being 
released in 1982. Let's go back a little bit and see what some of the other movies that uh, came out that uh, around the same time as this movie's release and also uh, some of the songs. Now, uh, the top Billboard 100 here has Do You Want Me by The Human League. Oh. being the number one song at that time. Yeah. Do you Don't remember you that song? Me? Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, I don't remember it from when it came out, but that's like an 80s classic, man. That's... Can you can you kind of hum it? Because I'm like, really don't kind of... Oh, kinda... man, that would no? be awful for your show. <laughs> <laughs> I can send you an MP3 of the actual song. It's a great song. Yeah. yeah Fantastic don't... 80s hit. How, how does the chorus go then? It's... Don't you want me, baby? Don't you want me? Oh, don't you? Yep, that's want the one. Me, baby? Yep. Okay, okay. There oh, it is. All right. Yeah, yep. yeah. That is a great song. Yep. Okay, because I'm not familiar with the name The Human League, so I wasn't yeah, exactly sure. I think sure. that's the only song I know from them. So. Okay. So the move, uh, the song that uh, preceded it was Ebony and Ivory, right? Oh, which wow. I think a lot of people know that one. <laughs> yeah. Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder, Stevie and Wonder, it was yeah. uh, superseded by Eye of the Tiger. By oh, nice, nice. So. Yeah, crazy around right, right the same time. Yep. Um, a few months later, I want to throw this one out because this song I, I really I really like is um, Chicago's "Hard to Say I'm Sorry." Oh, it's a great song. Yeah, that's a great song too. Nice. Um, so a couple movies that came out um this uh, the same month. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, number one was "An Officer and, and a Gentleman." Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen it in years. Like I haven't seen it okay. in like a decade, but it's a good one. How about Tron? Have you heard of that movie? Uh, yeah, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, in <laughs> fact, I own that. Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't know what a reissue me- uh, reissue means, but Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, they must have like re-released it in theaters. Um, okay. After its original run. Got it. Nice. Okay, so, uh, Night Shift. Oh wow! Yeah, I haven't watched now, that movie in a long that, time. That's that parody, right? That that was kind of like a spoof on David Letterman. Or my... No, that's something different. I think Night Shift, if I'm remembering right, is a Michael Keaton movie. Um, okay. But yeah. All right. And uh, the Academy Award winning Zapped. Probably, probably with Scott Bayo or something. Scott mm. Bayo. I, I, I think that's what it is. That doesn't yeah. ring a bell to you. Huh? Not, not to me. Yeah, okay. you were thinking of The Night Shift, which was a TV series in 2014. Um, but Night Shift is a Ron Howard movie with... Uh, Michael Keaton and Shelley Long and the Fonz was also in it. Okay. Oh, well, well, well there you go. Today, you are joining me for uh, Secret of Nim. Um, it's a 1982 animated movie. I originally thought it was Disney because it, you know, I mean, a few, a few years later, you have American Tale, which is also about uh, mouses. And <laughs> this one, uh, it was directed by Don Bluth. And it stars, I'm going to butcher a lot of these names, but uh, Hermione <laughs> Baddeley, uh, John Carradine, Dom DeLuise, Elizabeth Hartman, Derek Jacoby, Arthur Mallet, Paul Shannar, Peter Strauss. But also in their debut is Will Wheaton and Shannon Doherty. Um, who, who did Shannon Doherty voice? Was she one uh, of the little girls? I yeah, imagine? she was, she was one of, uh, Mrs. Brisby's kids. Yeah. Like Teresa or, or, yeah. uh, I forgot one of the others, but, um, what, what is your history with this movie? Um, so one thing I wanted to mention, actually, you talked about it, like feeling like a, a Disney movie. And I think there's really good reason for that is the fact that Don Bluth, who directed and created it was a Disney animator mm. right before this. So he kind of went and did his own thing. He left like in this was his first movie. So he went straight from Disney to doing this. So maybe that's where the kind of threads are. 
my my history with it is kind of hard because it I've barely ever lived in a world where this didn't exist. You know, it's not a movie that like, oh, I remember when it came out and I saw it on a home video or I saw it in the theater because, you know, I was born in 79 and this came out in 82. So I was three when it came out. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I think I probably saw it when I was about five or six. Um, and it's just kind of it's one of those movies that stuck with me. Like when you contacted me um, to be on the show and you were like, well, what movies did you really like as a kid? What was what was your kind of tie in? And this is one of those, you know, you have those movies when you're a kid that you like wear out the tape. Mm-hmm. Like that was it was this for me. Like I would watch it constantly. I'm sure my, my parents were like, why do we ever let him watch this movie? Um, and actually, you know, looking back on it, it's pretty dark. It you know, and I, and I don't think I realized it when I was a kid, but watching that, watching it as an adult, I'm kind of like, why did my, my parents were actually pretty strict about like not letting me see movies uh, that were, um, that were too violent or too dark. But I think maybe they got fooled by the, uh, by the rating, you know, like my parents right. were like, oh, it's not PG 13 or R go ahead, I guess. Um, but this is a super dark film. Now, isn't this rated G? It is, and you wouldn't yeah. think so. It feels like it should be PG uh, because of the subject matter. You know, there's... And, and I think maybe because it came out in 82, because 84 is when they came out with PG-13, right? Yeah, because I think Gremlins was the reason they, uh, they came out with PG-13. And Temple of Doom? Yeah, yeah, those yeah. were the two that really, like, okay, we need something else. Yeah, so maybe had this come out in 84, maybe it would have been PG. I, I'm yeah, not it's sure. possible, yeah. Yeah, so very interesting. Um, so for those that aren't familiar with uh, for about this movie, uh, it stars uh, Mrs. Brigsby, um, which this this is actually based on a book called uh, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. So they changed the name uh, because of uh, trademark purposes, I'm sure. Yeah, they were going to get sued, so they had to change the name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now those voice actors, uh, other than Dom DeLuise, I feel like everybody knows who that <laughs> is. Uh, did you recognize any of the other names? Uh, yeah. Um, a couple of, um, John Carradine and uh, Derek Jacobi are both relatively famous Shakespearean actors. So they like yeah. really kind of dipped into more of the, the kind of a uh, theater aspect as opposed to the, you know, the, now the Disney model of finding celebrities to voice animated films which right. I think really lends some heft to it, you know, and really makes it feel um, feel important. Uh, and I think Derek Jacobi played the character of Nicodemus uh, and John Carradine was the great owl. And those are some pretty hefty parts. Yeah, Derek uh, Jacobi, I, I, I've known him. Um, we did watch something of his back in high school in, in, uh, mm-hmm. in literature. And... I, uh, I think he was also in like the Kenneth Branagh's version of Hamlet too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was in Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet and Much Ado About Nothing. Like he's one of those guys who just keeps showing up in all of Kenneth Branagh's movies. He has like its troop of actors uh, to do his Shakespearean films. Yeah. Um, so this movie, uh, Mrs. Brigsby, she's a, a a widow and she's got three kids, um, Martin, Cynthia, and Teresa. And I guess around... Well, she's got know. four kids, right? Because she's got is one, who's, oh, right, one who's ill. Yeah. Yeah. T- uh, is it Timmy? Timmy who does nothing for the whole movie. Right. So yeah. Easy he's to a, forget. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Right. You're absolutely right. Because he doesn't have any speaking parts until the very end of the movie. Yeah. But uh, he has been diagnosed with pneumonia. And uh, the season has come where uh, they need to relocate their house because the the farmer that um, whose farm that they live on, he starts plowing. But. I guess he plows a day early and 
I guess she needs help. So she goes out and seeks help. And and then while she's doing that, she finds out a little bit, uh, a little history about her husband that has uh, passed away. And I don't know, it, it's a bunch of, I don't want to say weirdness, but lack of a yeah. better word, weirdness. Well, and because, I think one thing that, that you didn't mention was like at the very beginning, there's like this mystery of like, what is going on? Like you just see the main titles and then you see this like gnarled hand writing in a book you know, and you don't know who it belongs to and what they're even talking about, which is pretty gutsy when you think about it as a kid's movie. Like mm -hmm. most kids movies, they're pretty simple. Like the setups are like very basic. You know, you meet a family, you know, you've got like Lion King, you know, like here's here's this new kid. Here's going to be the new king. And this is like, wait, like even watching as an adult, I'm like, what is happening exactly right now? You know, and, and then like you said, you get to the point with this where she has to, you know, go. um go figure out how to how to save her kid and then she starts finding out these they drop these like little tidbits for the audience and again not anything that's up front but just these little things that as you get to the end of the film or you watch it a second or third time you start figuring out right there's a little of mysticism in here you know yeah. that opening scene that you talk about uh nicodemus is uh, whose hand it is he's writing in this book but the the, the letters they, the, they they glow you know, mm -hmm. and then do they disappear at some moment? Yeah, or I think so. Or? Yeah, lots it's, of strange stuff going on there. Yeah, so so it's really weird. So I mean, they're already talking mouses, so it's not that realistic. <laughs> but but just this opening scene, it kind of tells you that all right, there's a little bit more to it than this. There's there's some kind of fantasy uh, element in, in this movie. Um, so Mrs. Brisby, she meets uh, Jeremy, who's some kind of crow, <laughs> uh, voiced by uh, Dom DeLuise. And uh, he's the one that tells her to go seek out Nicodemus, right? Or no, the great, the great owl. No, the person I think. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. Because after she gets back from uh, from getting her pneumonia meds and all that oh, stuff, right. yeah, he tells her to seek out the great owl. From Mister Ages, that's an, that's another thing I uh, I forgot to bring up was uh, so, some of these names. I hadn't seen this movie in so long. And like they're kind of weird names, right? Mister Ages is is a a friend of her late husband, and then um, uh, Auntie Shrew, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, not the most subtle joke there, yeah. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, how about but Nicodemus? Is that a reference of anything else? Is is that only found here? That's the only time I've ever heard that name. Um, there is. I don't know if there's any connection to it at all, but I know there's like there's a Saint Nicodemus okay. um, who's really big in Italy. Um, but that's the only other time I've heard that name. I think that's why that name has really stuck with me. And I've just been like, that is an awesome name because you just yeah. don't hear it, you know? Yeah, I should change my uh, podcast. <laughs> the, the yeah, Nicodemus podcast. <laughs> yeah, really, what is it about? What is it about? Um, I don't don't worry about it. Yeah, just listen. Right. Just listen. <laughs> okay. Um, Auntie Shrew. She comes up with an idea to to delay this plow, uh, the, the 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 plowing here, and they you know go pull the fuel line, and that that buys them a little bit of time. But yeah, I mean, I think the the thing I love about that scene is you basically your hero is this tiny mouse, right? So she's right. constantly at risk anyway. Like just walking around outside her house, she's at risk, and to have her like basically run into the fray 
uh, and like dive into this this threshing machine, this plow. And and even from the beginning, like I think this is my one complaint about movies in general is when I don't feel stakes. I don't like worry about the characters, but you worry about her and Auntie Shrew as they're as they're like attacking this this giant machine and trying to find a way to stop it. Because if this thing goes, her whole family goes and her home goes too. And I really right. and that scene is genuinely scary. Like I remember it watching is. that as a kid, being like, "Oh, this is horrible." Like nothing scarier than the tools of man from the perspective of a mouse. Like that is horrifying. Right. The um so already she's got the one sick kid and now like she's scared about losing her home and then the three the three other kids that are already living there. Right. So uh what I alluded to earlier is that uh, this movie it gave me um you know and I feel like the movie got uh, maybe it's influenced from this film, but um, I got the sense of uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, yeah, I can see that, especially like all the perspective shots. Yeah. You know, seeing the giant cat and, you know, the giant machines and, you know, having to escape from these cages. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the, the cat you speak of is called Dragon. Yes. Uh, we we find out later that uh, that's how Jonathan died was by the hands or the paws of Dragon. Right. Uh, um and uh, NIM, th- th- that's actually an acronym. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's uh, a real thing. Yeah. 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 That's something that as an adult, I figured out, like as a kid, I was like, oh, NIM, they clearly just made that up, you know, whatever. But being in uh, in the realm of psychology now, like as a graduate student, like that's something I talk about all the time. The National Institute of Mental Health is one of the biggest um, places for research and f- funding to research in the world. And it's so like in this movie, they're like kind of this faceless evil and they've been testing on these rats and, you know, all right. this stuff. But it's interesting that they picked something real, you know, instead of yeah. just making something up. And I wonder yeah. if that goes into kind of like like in the early 80s, probably a lot more fears about, you know, uh, scientific testing and what was going on. You know, you see it's probably it's about the time where, you know, Cold War was starting to heat up and you're wondering what other countries are doing, you know. Um, so it, it makes me wonder, like, if that if that movie is made now, does that stuff work as well? Are we still as scared of medical testing as we were in the early 80s? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's the uh, the, the testing of these these rats and, and mouses. I, I think I have the number here somewhere. There was 20 rats and 11 mice. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, they altered uh, their DNA. They slowed down their uh, their growth. So they uh, live longer. And and um, they they uh, made them smarter, so they were able to read mm-hmm. and use electricity or something. They 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 rely yeah. on human. Yeah, I think the idea is that they um, the the testing ended up uh, enhancing their intelligence for whatever reason. So right. they were able to read, and then later they were able to learn kind of how to funnel like electricity from the from the farmhouse. Like they were basically siphoning electricity and using it, and kind of having this new era of exploration for rats where they could kind of figure a bunch of stuff out. Yeah. It's, it's real. The story is just really complex. I, I just, you know, watching it um, last night, I was like, this is nothing I remember. Mm-hmm. And may- maybe it's because th- this is, maybe this is why it didn't stick with me all these years. Like I remember watching it a lot when I was little, but mm-hmm. not so much as I got older, maybe because I just didn't remember it being like extremely fun because like right. you said, you know, it is dark. Um, yeah. The first time we meet the great owl, there's this uh, scene where uh, Mrs. Br- Br- Brigsby, uh, Brisby, Brisby, Brisby. Yeah. yeah, 
she encounters a spider and you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? <laughs> right. And then it gets stepped on by like the owl and oh. just like the animation, it's just, it's, it's kind of gross. Yeah, it is super gross. And the owl is terrifying. Like I remember that being the scariest part of the film for me when I was a kid. Like yeah. none of the other stuff really got, I mean, it's dark and it's creepy and there's moments of fear, but that great owl scene, I mean, it looks so alien, like the giant eyes and how it just kind of appears out of the dark and kind of twists its head around like an owl can actually do. Um, and again, that perspective where, you know, if we were Mrs. If we were Mrs. Brisby, that owl's got to be 70 feet tall. Like right. it is absolutely huge and totally intense. And the and the owls are known to eat mice too. Yes, you know. Yeah, they even have a line in there like, "Ah, oh, they don't eat mice until until dark." It's fine. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. And of course, she's there at night. So, and, and you see the skeletons of the mice too. Yep. At at, uh, at the owl's home or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Just some some terrifying images for for young kids. So that's why I'm like really surprised that it was rated G. Yeah. Maybe that's that's how I got so messed up. I think I watched this too much <laughs> when I was a kid. I think this explains it all. And that's why now you're a psychology student. Yeah, like, I'm trying figure to out. figure myself out now. <laughs> Break out this movie. Um, so while she's there, see, it's it's really, really interesting that everywhere she goes, everyone seems to know about her late husband, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. So he must have been a, a pretty big deal here because uh, she name drops him to the great owl. And the owl suggests that she goes over to the rose bush where the other rats are. And just yeah. by affiliation alone, that they should uh, be able to help her, you know, in moving her home. Yeah. And I think all she tells the owl is that her name um, is Brisby. And then right. he catches it and goes, Mrs. Jonathan Brisby? Like, he's known. Like, it's not, she doesn't even have to mention his name, just his last name. And people are immediately, their interest is piqued. Um, and, you know, as as a film viewer, you're kind of like, who was this guy? Like, he must have been something incredible, especially as a mouse for the great owl to know him. And then later for the rats to know him when there's like basically no other mice around the rats, except for Mr. Ages. Like, so he had to be pretty important. Yeah. That's a cool name too. Mr. Ages. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I just, I have no other thoughts on that except for gives you a cool. sense of like wisdom, I think. Yeah. Which makes yeah. sense that he's kind of the doctor and the scientist. And well, when did he break his foot? Um, I think it was, um, they were, they were saying like it was in one of the, the escapes from Nim. But, but she visited him early on in the movie. His foot wasn't broken yet, right? Um, no, I think he was still limping around in the beginning. Like he had, he had crutches and he was limping around. I feel like maybe they brought it up later on. I'm like, is that new? I I thought that something happened. Okay. So, um, all right. The, inside the rose bush. It's almost like a completely different world, isn't it? Yeah, it's totally a different world. I love that. That I, I mean, in anything, I love this idea of kind of like secret entrances, and you're like going into this underground, this new world, and literally anything could be under there, and you'd be kind of okay with it as a viewer because it's not out in plain sight. Like you know, something weird is going on. So I like the idea of this kind of secret door uh, that nobody knows is there. You know, and you just go in and you feel like you're looking at something you're not even supposed to be seeing. Kind of like in Little Monsters. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's that's a, a perfect example right there because that, that was always fascinating as a kid too. Like, mm-hmm. I want to slide under my bed and, you know, explore this uh, right. weird, mysterious world. I mean, this this kind of story goes all the way back to, you know, Alice in Wonderland, right? Oh, right. You know, yeah. like just falling down the rabbit hole and now the world is totally different. 
Yeah. Um, okay, so the, the the Lee of Stone, was that ever explained what that even is? That's, is that that amulet? Yeah, it's the amulet. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. this amulet is supposed to give um, whoever wears it powers if they are courageous. Yes. So that was another, like, one of those uh, uh, mystical elements that was uh, introduced into this movie. Uh, in the Rosebush, Mrs. Br- Brisby, she meets... She meets uh the the rat some rat guard what was his name Justin are you talking Justin. about Justin yeah there's a lot of J's in here the like the hero ra- the hero rat like the the like good looking charming like right. on the right side of everything Justin like the perfect the perfect man the perfect rat man I guess yeah 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 and they, I love they, they introduce him with a joke like um he sneaks up on Mister Ages and for a second. You're like, oh, God, something terrible is going to happen. Because, again, we're in this very new place and it's very dark and there's lots of shadow. And you see this rat sneaking up on this poor, helpless old mouse uh, and kind of grabs him and messes with him. And you can tell I love that you can tell he's done this before because ages is just like, Justin, come on, man. Like, right. Do we have to do this all over again? Will you put me down? Like, <laughs> yeah, they really try to misdirect you when they first show him because he's like standing amongst some other uh I don't, I don't know if they were like uh, nutcrackers or yeah, something. You yeah, yeah, like a little statues, and he's wearing the same hat, like hiding in the dark. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you, you kind of like, kind of question, like, well, what, what's going on here? It, it, it doesn't look good, but it, it is nice that the, it turns out to be playful. But right. um, I know it's a kids' movie and whatever, but I, I thought it was a little too quick for them, uh, for Justin and Miss Brisby. To take a liking to one another. Oh, yeah, man. They throw them together real quick. Uh, I mean, I guess the only explanation I can have for that is when you're in this like brand new situation and everything's a little bit scary and intimidating. um, I think anyone who's friendly to you, you're going to want to stick close to them right away. Like the first person, you know, because even Mr. Ages, even though she knows him, he's not exactly kind. Like he's always kind of, he's very, like he's very, he's very brusque and it's just kind of like, here, take this, get out of here. Now leave me alone. I have to do my work. Uh, whereas Justin is just a friendly guy and just a nice guy and kind of jokes around with her. Um, yeah. But you're right. They do connect with each other really, really quickly. Um, uh, Mr. Ages is kind of like house. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Like, just yeah. like, stop bothering me. Here's your packet of herbs. Now get out. Like yeah. I have stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I do uh, like about this world inside the, the rosebush, um, there's this one scene where they uh, step into a lantern that acts as like an elevator. Yeah. And it goes like underground through the water. It comes out this uh, other side and then like the water drains. So it's just like, yeah. how, did they, how did they build this? <laughs> yeah. This and from an animation perspective, it's all really impressive. Like it's. I mean, none of it looks like super fake and you're always kind of interested in what's around the corner. Like, I think that's the danger in animated movies is when things start to get static Mm -hmm. and you're just like, okay, now I know I'm staring at a drawing. Like, I don't care anymore. And they do a good job of constantly, for lack of a better term, moving the camera, you know, like taking you in a different place and making it visually interesting. Yeah, this is really well done. I think didn't uh, I think I saw something that this was Don Bluth's his directorial debut. So after he left, I guess Disney after being an animator. Yeah. I think he was uh, the last movie he did animation for. was like the Fox and the Hound. Um, And then he came over and did this and his, his brainchild. And he, I watched a little bit of the special features and he like basically put up every cent he had to do this movie. Like him and his compatriots all pulled their money together to, to get this made. Yeah. 
Um, Jenner is another J name that we meet. This mm-hmm. this guy, he's the antagonist. And yeah. um, he, okay, so Nicodemus has this plan where they're gonna stay in the rose bush. Wait, who who had the plan to go to the Valley of the Thorns? That was that was Nicodemus. That was Nicodemus. Yeah, but but Jenner wants to stay right at, at the rose bushes, right? So so now he wants to plot against uh, Nicodemus and and have him killed. So you're thinking like this, this is an animated movie? Is it not a kids movie? I mean, they so got... dark. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's the scariest thing you can uh, you can have in a kids movie to me is this not just like this violence and this wanting to kill him, but this this insidious like this deceit you know it makes me think of you know scar from the lion king who acts like he's your friend and then will betray you at the last moment um and there's a lot of that going on here for sure uh the other thing i like about this is it i one of my problems i have with movies is when they're just contained to this like 90 minutes or two hours where like you can't imagine anything happening before or after it and in this movie, you can tell things have been going on behind the scenes between Jenner and and Nicodemus. Like Jenner has been like talking trash behind his back and trying to convince people to do something else and has been kind of like doing his thing behind the scenes. And I like that we don't get to see all of that. We just see kind of the repercussions of it. Yeah. Yeah. It the um his uh Jenner's I, I guess can we call him a right hand man? Uh what was it Sullivan? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. His yes man for sure. Right. So Until it, the end. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Which we'll go ahead and jump right in there. That's another dark scene here where, um, you know, Nicodemus, he is killed, right? Mm-hmm. He gets crushed by. Um, so, OK, so the the plan to move the um, the house, the, the, the Brisby's house. Right. They were going to use a pulley and some ropes and things like that. And uh, Jenner is going to sabotage it and just yep. have the, uh, the 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 Brisbees. They live in a like a cement uh, cinder block. Yeah. And they were going to have that just I don't know. I guess going to the mud down this hole or something. Right. And he they, he didn't use the most subtle methods of sabotaging. <laughs> like yeah. I'm just going to cut this rope with a sword. <laughs> like <laughs> wow, man, that's okay. We're just going direct. <laughs> right. It. Yeah, I want to see them dig that hole, you know, and add, add the water to it, you right. know, a la, a la <laughs> but three amigos. Yeah, yeah if <laughs> you, you get go. that reference. Um, yeah, so so there's this scene, a little backstabbing. So yeah, Nicodemus gets killed off, and then um, Sullivan, I guess, has a change of heart, and he he tosses his dagger. He just 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 I don't know what is that adjective, <laughs> but you just wield this this dagger, and it's just. It, it um, stabs Jenner right in the back and, right. and he dies. There's a lot of uh, scenes like this where you're just kind of like, I can't believe they put this in, in an animated movie. Like um, Mrs. Uh, Brisby, when she was inside the the uh, the house of the farmers and right. she was in that cage. And there's that scene where she's trying to get out of the cage and then like she cuts herself yeah. you know, on like on like a like a metal wire and she's like bleeding. Yeah. And so, yeah, you got animated blood in this movie, too. Yeah. I also thought that scene you talked about um, with with Jenner getting stabbed mm-hmm. is particularly shocking. I mean, one, because anytime an animated character dies, it's kind of like, oh, God, even if it's your antagonist. But you would expect like, oh, if we're going to have him be taken out, it's going to be Justin. Right. Like he's our mm-hmm. hero. Or we're going to have somehow Mrs. Brisby, you know, 
uh, accidentally kill him as she, as he's trying to kill her. But instead, it's like no, he is done in by by his own right hand man and literally stabbed in the back. Like yeah. Yeah. that is not something you see in animated films so much. I think it's one of the, all these things we're talking about is why I like it so much continually. Like I like kids movies. I'll watch kids movies, but you have to kind of watch them with a, uh, with kind of a grain of salt. You're like, okay, so this is for kids. There's going to be a lot of songs. It's going to be really sweet overall, but you never get that in this movie. And all the Don Bluth movies are kind of like that. I mean, if you look at this uh, American tale, all dogs go to heaven they're all pretty dark and pretty scary for kids. Yeah. You know, movies yeah. that never could have been made for Disney, which is why he went out on his own. Yeah. I, I love American tale too. Like, uh, I, I can see, I mean, this movie, American tale, I don't remember, um, all dogs go to heaven that much except for Charlie and a little girl. Yeah. But, but yeah. The, the and another Dom movie. DeLuise, uh, voice performance. Right. He, he was Charlie's best friend. So he's everywhere in these movies. <laughs> Yeah, a frequent collaborator. Yeah. Um, but the but the two movies about the, the, the mice here, they, they can easily be adapted into like real life, you know, uh, action movies. Yeah, absolutely. Like, honestly, if you honestly, if you just put these in the form of human, this is a scary action movie yeah. as opposed to like a kid's movie. So it's like, I don't know, maybe it's a lookout for parents, you know, like it's. It's one of those things where it could probably be, I mean, I'm not a parent, thank God, I don't have this responsibility, <laughs> but it would be really easy as a parent to be like, oh, it's an animated movie, go ahead, you can watch that. Um, but you really do have to kind of vet these things. Like, I don't know, I probably shouldn't have been watching this as young as I did. Like, it's pretty scary stuff and also pretty heavy stuff. Like, you start out, your main character is a widow and is trying yeah. to, she's a single mother with four kids. Like, that's pretty heavy stuff. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about it from that aspect. But she's not like cleaning the house, singing songs like she's struggling. You know, she's poor. She's got like just this little cape, this ratted little cape. She's like begging for medicine. I mean, this is serious stuff. Yeah, it, absolutely. It is. I mean, uh, and Jonathan, the, the the late husband here, he, he was killed by a mouse. But also he's part of this ex experiment, you know, with uh, all right. these other rats and stuff like that. It's just uh, some pretty heavy themes and i'm just like you know i i was just shocked that right. i didn't obviously i didn't catch this stuff when i was a, a little kid but as, as an adult i'm like wow this this is definitely like a uh kind of a, a lost gem like you know this, yeah. this movie needs to be like re-released yeah um, i tell everyone I, about this movie when they ask me my favorite movies like this one always gets thrown in there just to see if they've seen it because a lot of people especially people who were born like you know late 80s early 90s never even really heard of this like mm -hmm. um so people have heard of american tale and stuff like that i think that was their big hit but this is one of those like you said a lost gem i think i think it still holds up too it doesn't feel particularly dated like maybe the animation style like things have gotten so much more crisp now uh, if you look at movies like Frozen and then all the Pixar movies, like they're very, very shiny, you know, and this is very this is like the the gritty reboot version of animation. Like there's not a lot of super pretty scenes. There's memorable scenes, but it's not that kind of movie where it's going to wow you with its animation or its computer generatedness. You know, it's just going to tell you a, a story pretty simply and pretty close to the surface, but do it really well. 
Yeah, it, there's there's a lot of nice things to to look at in, in this movie. I mean, we've talked about just about everything that's happened, but it's paced so well that there's just it, it's nice to look at you know the things in the foreground, in the background, and just mm-hmm. watching uh, Mrs. Brisby's you know journey through you know uh, visiting the, the Great Owl and then visiting Nicodemus and then going uh, you, you know getting captured in in the in the the farmhouse just so she can drug a cat right think about that like she has to drug a cat it's like a heist movie in in that little 10 minute span it's totally a heist movie i think the one thing we didn't talk about too much is jeremy um and that's um you know the crow who's he's in the book but he's basically a a movie invention like he's not funny in the book he's not like looking for a girlfriend in the book but i think that dom de louise voice character is really needed in this movie to provide some levity and mm-hmm. to just kind of calm us down because everything is so dire that you need these moments of this idiot bird wrapped up in string you know like we need yeah. these funny moments um and but at the same time he's an important character because he's someone who really looks out um uh, for for mr mrs brisby when no one else really will you know, until she gets to the rats, like she's constantly in these dangerous situations. But he, you know, is just good hearted, a little bit dumb, uh, but he means well. And I think he's he's needed in this film to provide that break for us as an audience. Yeah, the, the perfect example is the scene where uh, I think he f- follows her to the Great Owl. And I think on her way to the Rosebush, she was like, um, you know, kind of dropping hints that oh, somebody should go watch my kids. Yeah, and, I think I'll stay he, here, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> he volunteers himself, and so yeah. yeah, I thought that was a pretty funny scene. But yeah, Jeremy's a, a pretty good character too. Yeah. Um, so so we do get a kind of a, a, a callback too, because in early on in the movie, he talks about like meeting somebody, right? Finding mm-hmm. finding a girlfriend or something like that. So at the end, he does find a girlfriend who is uh, just like him. Yeah giggly and ridiculous and you know there's there's this great moment when he finds her because he like like basically trips over her into this kind of brush area and one of uh mrs brisby's kids kind of sees all this happen and you see this like horrified look on this kid's face um and it's kind of like to me this very obvious corollary to like you know seeing something that adults are doing that you probably shouldn't be seeing and then they show it and they're just rolling around but that look is like a kid who has seen too much. Like, right, right. Like, oh my God, birds. I can't, I can't deal with these crows. Get right. me out of here. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're just playing with like yarn or, or tied up tangled in, in, right. in the ropes. Is there any symbolism there that, that maybe I'm missing? I mean, I think, I, I think it's one of those things. There's like a subtext of, of a kid seeing like, you know, some sort of sexual activity that you probably shouldn't see, but then they cover it up by showing that these are just two idiots rolling around. So <laughs> I think they, that's their way of keeping it a, a kid's movie at heart, you know, to show like, Oh, nothing's really going on. They're just acting like fools. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the ending when we do get to see uh, finally Timmy recovering from his pneumonia? Uh, they've relocated the house um, did you think it was like a like a, a nice ending? Did did you? Think yeah, it was a I liked lackluster? it. I mean, everything gets kind of wrapped up, which I usually don't like. But man, Mrs. Risby went through so much in like eighty mm. minutes that you just you crave that. Like you're just like give this poor widow, this poor woman, a happy ending for God's sake. Let her just live with her family. Uh, make sure Timmy is okay. Like I don't I don't need a, a hard ending where like oh yeah they all survive, but but Timmy dies in the move, you know, like, I don't need any of right. that. Like, can we just like, she's been through enough. Let's just, let's just let them live, please. 
Right. I mean, she, she already lost a husband, and it's an animated movie. Let's, let's right. have a happy ending at least. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like an unearned happy ending. It seems like all of it makes sense. All of it ties together, um, you know, and it works for the movie. I didn't have an issue with it. Okay. Um, so on the show, we like to give like a, a five-star rating. Would you be able to do that? Yeah, sure. Um, can I say six? Like, this is one of my favorites. Yeah. I love this movie. Okay. No, I would say, I would say definitely five stars. Um, I think for me, this is a really good movie. Even you take out the animated aspect, but as far as animated movies, this is absolutely my favorite animated film of all time. And it's not even close. Like it's the movie I always go back to. And it's one of those that, you know, I feel like I have to pimp out to everybody. Like go just watch this for, for me. Like, cause you're my friend, watch this so you can share something that was really important to me as a kid and still kind of is now. Like, I just think it's a really, really good film. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, it, it wasn't one of my favorites growing up, probably cause I was a little too young and it was too dark for me. So right. it never really stuck. But, uh, funny enough, I own this movie. So, oh, nice. so good. yeah. And so, um, I went on Netflix, couldn't find it. I go, you know what? Let me just check my, my CD case. <laughs> Or yeah, my DVD case, and sure enough, it, it was in there. So, um, so nice. I do own it. I don't remember when I like, got why it. Why did I buy this? <laughs> well, I I know why I bought it because I remembered liking it as a kid. Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah, I haven't gone back to revisit it in a while. Now, uh, I would watch it um, more often. Now, you know, watching it with uh, you know a grown up's uh, eyes and and seeing all these things, it's like wow, it, they they really added, you know, these um dark elements and this mystical stuff it, it's 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 definitely a movie like you said it, it's something that everybody should go out and watch um i'm trying to think like i think i would uh, definitely recommend this to phoenix and get his uh thoughts on it because mm. he's 15 like hey this is an animated movie what do you think about it and, and tell me what you think about the themes in this because this isn't like um what is that expression like uh you know how is this isn't your dad's root beer or something like yeah, that? yeah exactly it, like this is gonna be this isn't your normal animated film like exactly like it, it's one of those that it, it's it's almost like you need to judge it outside of that because it doesn't mm. even fit in to that category like yes it is animated but it's a little bit different yeah i i remember it enough to um that song that she sings to timmy like mm-hmm. that that brought back some memories like yeah i remember liking right. the song you know it, it's it is a great movie so uh I, i'm gonna give it a four and a half i'm, I'm pretty nice. generous with uh yeah a lot of my ratings um i uh, i don't think this i i think calling it a background movie would be insulting like this is a, right. a sit down and watch movie for sure right um with uh all the shows that we watch now you know how we're desensitized to like um uh, you know, like violence and things like that. Like, well, you got that in here. Oh yeah, we're, we're, you got we're sword enough. fights and blood and I mean, it's it's stabbing. It's, it's it's almost an episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty darn close. Uh, deaths and killings and 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 betrayal and conspiracy. Got it all in That's about true. eighty some odd minutes. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, so I want to thank you again for for coming on uh, to the show. Uh, it's. I'm glad you chose this because had you not, I, I don't know when I would have gone back to revisit this. Um, uh, but yeah, I, again, I, you know, we've already kind of spoiled the movie, but it's still worth the watch. Yeah. Definitely. No, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And honestly, if this gets one or two people to watch the secret of Nim, then I'm, then I'm glad we chose it. Cause I just yeah. think more people 
should should watch this. I mean, I know it's much older and it's easy to like not want to watch movies from the from the early 80s because pacing's a little weird and the fashion's a little weird. But because it's an animated film, you don't have to really worry about that. It's like an hour and a half of your life and you got to see a great movie and then you get to tell other people about it. But I was really yeah. happy to be here, man. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, again, just pimp out your show. And and wh- why don't you go ahead and maybe uh, throw out an episode that you would recommend a new listener starting with if they mm. haven't uh, already checked it out before? Yeah, sure. Um, so like I said, my show like takes a psychological look at movies. Uh, and if you want to contact me on Twitter, I'm always pretty active. So that's at PCK study. And I guess I'll give you two episodes. So at the beginning of my show, I did it all by myself, no guests. So if you want to listen to a show that I did without guests, I did uh, an episode on a history of violence and identity. I thought that was a particularly good one. That one ended up uh, going pretty well. Um, And if you want to hear one with a guest uh, that went kind of off the rails and kind of fun, I had uh, Mike Denniston from War Machine versus War Horse. Um, And we did an episode on the devil's backbone uh, right around the time that Guillermo del Toro's most recent film came out. And that was a lot of fun. Like we were both a little punch drunk by the end of it, but it's a good time. Yeah, I I definitely heard the uh, History of Violence one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a movie I I do enjoy. Um, Yeah. And, you know, Mike isn't here, obviously. But uh, for those that don't know, um, he recently released his 200th episode that's crazy it it is it is nuts (laughs) and for those that aren't familiar with his show he uh, reviews a new release and then uh reviews two older movies that has a similar theme so the man has watched at least 600 movies alone just for his show that's crazy so um you know we want to congratulate him on that uh huge milestone and yeah it's hard uh, to do 200 mediocre episodes it's really good mike <laughs> that you you could just pump these out no i'm kidding his show's great it's one of the first movie podcasts i really got into um and honestly he's been a really great resource for me and honestly a really good friend through this kind of podcast experience which i really didn't expect to get and you should definitely check out his show he keeps teasing like he's gonna end it so get in now right <laughs> so <laughs> yeah yeah before he he's- loses steam completely start listening now Exactly. And for those, you know, that that still don't know, I mean, if you subscribe to the show, I um, he gave me the permission to release his Creed episode. And Mm -hmm. so if you saw that in the feed, that's the one that I was a guest on. So that's his show. So if you liked that episode, then you will definitely like his uh, his podcast. Um, He also he was on an episode that we did on Home Alone last year uh, during Christmas time. So he was on Home Alone. And then he also joined me for Nightcrawler. So if you just want more, a little stuff bit of everything my... there, the two ends of the the spectrum for sure. Yeah, Home Alone and Nightcrawler. <laughs> you know, um, he would find a way to pair those on one episode. I'm sure. I'm sure he would. Uh, <laughs> let's see, I can't think of one, but I'm sure he'd find one. Um, and original remake. You know, it's it's one that I I've mentioned before at the end of every show. You know, that one I host with Mike, and we compare and review a uh, a movie and its remake. And coming up here. You know, we got Star Wars and Hidden Fortress and uh, right. the my, my favorite movie, uh, Point Break. Oh, gee, here we go. In, have you, have you watched it yet? I, I bought it. I bought it. And, <laughs> I just um, bought it, too. There was a Black Friday sale. I got it for like five bucks. I was so happy. <laughs> I think my I think mine was seven. But uh, yeah, it was nice. it was Blu-ray. But Mike, actually, I, I think I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he told me to wait for when the um, the, the, when the, the, remake the remake comes out. out. Yeah, so I think I'm going to watch the remake first to see how I feel about it and then watch the original. I think that would be the remake an interesting looks pretty bad. 
Like that does not look like a good. Movie. I think it looks okay. Uh, I've I've only seen the the preview like one and a half times. Right. So uh, one time in the theater and then half like on TV just in passing. So right, uh, right. For anybody that wants to uh, email in, you can do so at hlfpodcast at gmail dot com. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at hlfpodcast. Uh, please visit followingfilms dot com to check out shows like you know Dave's show, Pop Culture Case Study, uh, the True Bromance Film Podcast, again Mike's show, War Machine vs. War Horse, our show, Original Remake, and who are the two new guys that just joined? The uh, uh, second like class cinema, second class cinema, and maybe cinematic for the people. That's right, cinematic the for the people. Yeah. So the, those both two guys great are, shows I, too. Yeah, I I don't know them and I haven't met them yet, but um, they're part of the network, so definitely support them. And uh, and also Chris Maynard's uh, following film. Uh, yeah, it's just following films. Following yeah. film pod. Was, well, following film pods. His his yeah, Twitter, it's his Twitter but, handle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot of shows for you to choose from. You'll never go bored. Uh, yeah, be something will for, for all everyone. of the time you have for sure. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in, until the next episode, I'm Peter. And I'm Dave from Pop Culture Case Study. And this is Hydrate Level 4. See ya. Dream by night, wish by day, love begins this way. Loving starts when open hearts touch and stay. Sleep for now, dreaming's how lovers' lives are planned. Future songs and flying dreams, hand in hand. Love, it seems, made flying dreams so hearts could soar. Heaven sent, these wings were meant to prove. On We Got Five, we list our top five favorites with a new topic every week. Some of those topics include top five candy, favorite baby-making music songs, and even dance crazes. And let's be honest, all mine are the best. Yeah, let them decide. Anyway, you can check it out on CoreTempParts.com. Hope to see you there.